Don't they do a great job? Yeah. <laughs> you certainly don't want Pastor Dennis or I leading worship. Well, maybe Pastor Dennis. He's got a pretty good voice, actually. <laughs> hey, happy Mother's Day. If you're a mom, could you raise your hand and stand? We're not going to just stand up. We want to, we want to, let's, let's clap for all our moms here. Yeah. Awesome. So every good father would say every day is Mother's Day. Um, how many good fathers do we have out there? Raise your hand if you're a good father. <laughs> Where are they? Okay. Okay. So we have a gift for the moms. These flowers are for you. And we want to just say a huge thank you. Say a huge thank you. Guess what? Without moms, we would not be here. That's pretty profound, right? So maybe just for a minute, I want to say a quick, a quick statement about moms. I was thinking about my mom this morning. And uh, isn't it amazing how moms have a heart of compassion? They really do. And when we're in our messes, mom always comes uh, and just loves us into the next step. I'm just so thankful to just think about this day and to honor you, your faithfulness. And, um, you know, two quick passages that helps us understand the value of moms. Uh, my mom is in glory. My mom's passed on. So uh, value and treasure your moms while you have them. They are very precious. So uh, I love what Solomon says here. Uh, my son, keep your father's commandment and do not forsake the law of your mom. Isn't that good? What is the law of mom? Bind them. Well, the law, the law of the mother is really the heart of God that we're reading. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. And when you roam, all right, some of us roam, uh, they will lead you, and when you sleep, they will keep you, and when you awake, they will speak with you. How many people can hear your mom's voice in the back of your head? Anybody? <laughs> yep. I, I hear my dad's voice too, but we're, uh, really, that's incredible. Thank God for the voice of wisdom. Thank God for the heart of God. And you know, moms have warnings. Ever, anybody here ever been warned by your mother? Carson, your hand should be raised up, really. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Uh, Proverbs 31 is actually talking about uh, King Lemuel's moms. And in verse 1 through 5, it says, The warning of wine, women, and song. It says there, Solomon, do not give yourself to wine, women, and, and song. And, and thank God for mom's wisdom. Thank God for mom's care. And thank God for mom's love. So thank you. Let's give our moms a great big hand again. We love you. Thanks for being part of the body of Christ. And enjoy those flowers. And kids, yes, if you're a kiddo, please go to our Sunday school. Let's have a prayer. Let's, let's pray for our moms, amen? Would you pray with me? All right, precious Father, we know that the value of moms cannot be quantified. The hidden labor, the cry of the heart that their kids would follow you, Lord. The compassion, the tireless hours of serving and serving and serving, uh, laying aside their dreams so that their family can prosper. Lord, we just think of our moms today 
And thank you for each lady here and, and bless them, their families, every father, Lord, the fathers, the sons, Lord, our families. Uh, we just pray that you would uh, bless each one and strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Welcome, Pastor Dennis. All right, hey, it's good to be here, huh? Yeah, I mean, Rich is like, finally, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have Rich and Jill back, isn't it? Yeah. Just in time for our, our picnic on Saturday. <laughs> All right, hey, let's, uh, let's stand up real quick and open our Bibles to Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read two passages. First one's Romans 10. The second one will be 1 Peter 2. So Romans 10, 17, one short verse. If you know it by heart, go ahead and say it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is actually like a great missionary verse, isn't it, Tabitha? Like, I, you know, sometimes we like talk about these little Bible verses and we don't realize actually what's a part of. And it's like talking about how can people believe in God unless somebody goes and tells them the word of God. Yeah, so that's what missions is, is that we go and we tell people about the word of God. So there's local missions like we did on Saturday. There's African missions. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe we can do another kind of mission, you know. But uh, and the next verse is First Peter chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. If you haven't figured it out yet, we're going to talk about faith. It comes by hearing. <laughs> Therefore, I love this. Therefore, lay aside all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if you indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will speak to us through your word. We are here not in the name of, of any denomination or any, you know, anything, but we are here in the name of Jesus. In this service, that's what we want to exalt, is we want to exalt you, Lord. As you already have been. We could just continue in the same spirit through the preaching and the hearing of the word. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I will be flipping to some more verses, but aren't these two passages amazing? Uh, if I were to ask you, and maybe you could answer because there's no condemnation here, right? Or maybe some of you are really awesome. But how much of the word of God do you receive? Like in a week's time, do you think you receive enough of the word of God? Yeah, some are like, no. But I, I bet even those that say no, I, I, I would think you probably receive more than most, right? I mean, there, I mean, how many of you have a daily Bible reading? Yeah, I mean, it's okay if you do. If you don't, it's also okay. Uh, maybe we have like a prayer routine. Uh, maybe you have an app that helps you to do these things. Maybe you listen to the Bible. Uh, maybe you YouTube preachers and you listen to stuff online. 
there's lots of Bible, isn't there? I mean, how many of you listen to Christian music? That's a, we can do that one without feeling guilty, right? <laughs> Everybody here is going to listen to music. Yeah, I mean, we listen to it, right? And it edifies us. It's amazing, though, to see how much, I mean, the Bible is saying very simply that if we want to have our faith increase, that something has to be present, and that is God's Word. And if God's Word is not present, then how am I going to increase in faith? I mean, it's that simple. And we've been talking a lot about faith. We talked, you know, three weeks ago about genuine faith and that our trials are more precious than gold because what does it produce? It produces faith in our lives because we experience who God is. Isn't that amazing? And then last week we talked about, uh, wasn't it like two different types of faith? One was the Roman centurion who had great faith. And what did it do to Jesus? He marveled. He was amazed. It was like a wow moment, right? If we ever want to wow Jesus, we do it by faith. And then in, in Nineveh, sorry, not Nineveh, <laughs> Nazareth. Uh, in Nazareth, where he was from, did he do miracles? He did. In the beginning, he did. And did he preach? In the beginning, he did. But what did he say? Yeah. What is it, Adam? Yeah, no faith. So we see that faith is amazing to God. doesn't matter if you're Israeli or if you're a Gentile. In the Old Testament, it still was faith amazed God. And at times that we could have our faith be genuine in the sense where our trials are valuable and it's producing faith in our life, and it's amazing. But all this to be said is that if we want our faith to increase, it says it here very clearly that the Word of God has to be present. And I was thinking about this verse in, in, in 1 Peter 2, 1. There, Therefore laying aside, and then he lists like these things. And I was thinking about it. This is like so amazing because, you know, laying aside, this, is, this could mean two things. And it means, number one, that we could cleanse ourselves from defilement, okay? Uh, the, in the Old Testament, that's why there were sacrifices, so they could be cleansed. In the New Testament, are we also cleansed? Yes, we are. How are we cleansed? The Word of the God. Yeah, water of the Word. What else? The blood of Jesus. Anything else? I mean, all these are right answers. The priests would go in and they would wash their hands before the sacrifice. Why? Because they themselves had to be clean. But they would wash themselves before they did a sacrifice for themselves, right? The high priest on the Day of Atonement would, would slaughter a cow, sacrifice a cow for his own sake. So that way he would be pure when he would give the offering for all of Israel. It's the same thing. We were washed by the water of the word. We were washed by the blood of Jesus I mean, and also there's something to be said, and it says it here. This is in the act of voice to lay aside. It means that we do the action of cleansing ourselves. What does that mean? Do we pay for our sins? That's not what he's saying. No. What he's saying is that you can make a choice. Let's, let's put it in another way, because the other way, way this word means, it means to put on or put off. 
right? In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, put on the new man. And what do we do with the old man? Yeah, we cast it. We take it off. So what this is saying is that we, in our own, uh, on our own, in ourselves, through the word of God that is alive inside of us, we make decisions not to not do. It's very simple. We make decisions to not do something. And Peter here makes a list. There's malice, there's deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. I mean, and that is a short list. Could we add more to that list? Yeah, we could add a lot, right? We could look at Galatians chapter 5 and we could see the, the, the works of the flesh. Should we cast those things aside? Yeah, we should. How do we... I mean, this is a good conversation. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but like... This is like the idea of laying aside something like this, like laying aside the old man, laying aside sin. It is, it is very interesting because we have two sides to this. The first thing is, is that we talked about it, is that we have the blood of Jesus. We have the water of the word. We are forgiven. We have these truths, right? And these are effectual. They, work, they have an effectual working in our lives where this is enough to forgive us. And we can say very easily that we are forgiven. But there's the other side, and this is what Peter is saying here, is that there's something that I am doing. But wait a minute, that's works. <laughs> you see, like, the contradiction that we could possibly have? It's an interesting kind of phenomenon that we have in our faith because we are so dependent on the work of God and what he is doing, but we can't void the decisions, our own free will, apart from the work of God. And to exalt one or the other is to say, I have no free will, or my free will means everything. So we have to walk that line where it is, the, it is Jesus. I mean, it is. And I am not clean. I am not forgiven without Jesus. I can't lay aside you know, these sins without the work of Jesus. It is impossible. But somewhere along the line, there is my free will, and what does it do? It doesn't respond to negativity or doesn't respond to sin in a good or positive, or in a good or negative way. That's how most people look at it. Here is sin, and I have to respond to this in a good way or a bad way. That is my free will. But what if my free will is not exercised at all in the sin, but it's being exercised towards the, will of, the word of God? Now let's look at it that way. If I have the word of God and it is in my life and I'm at church on Sundays and I, and I have a Bible study that I attend during the week and I'm listening to a podcast on Wednesday, if this stuff is happening in my life, do you think this word has power in my life? It does. So what happens that I use my free will to respond to God's word, not to respond to sin. That's where we struggle so much. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do it. It's, it's wrong. The Bible says it's wrong. And, I, and the more I think about it, actually, the harder it is to resist, isn't it? And I'm thinking about doing a good thing by not doing a bad thing. <laughs> But what if I were to take all of my free will and all of my attention off that and say, God's word? Because after all, we look to verses like Romans 13, 12, Colossians 3, 5, 
Ephesians 4.22, where it talks very clearly about casting off. But it's not casting off and then making good decisions. It is casting off and putting on who God is. So I'm constantly living in who God is and constantly living in what God has done. And that is how I lay aside these things. And here, here it is, is that so many people, they are caught up in doing good and doing, and doing bad. And they are constantly in a works program. And they feel during the week, and this could happen to any one of us, but they feel during the week, if they do enough good, then they're going to feel good. But if we do bad, therefore what happens is that I feel bad and that, that determines my value in the eyes of God. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what God says. God says that you can, there can be sin in your life and we're not condoning sin. Grace is there so that way it gives us the ability to say no to sin. But here was, here's what happens is that I have God's word in my life and then I fail. But when I fail, I am not depressed. I am not anxious. I am not. I'm not lulling. In, you know, wallowing in my sin. But I get back up, and I think about what God's word says, and I get on with my life. See, so many people are overcome by sin because they are overthinking it instead of thinking about God's word. It's not neglecting. It's not being irresponsible. It's not pushing aside. It is, it is responding to what God is saying. And I, I would dare to say that we, we as, as people need to respond to God's word more and more. And when you know what that will do? That will heal, heal us. It will heal us spiritually. It will heal our psyche, our, psyche our, our emotions, our mind. It will heal us and we will go from a thinking pattern like this, and then we'll go over here to another thinking pattern. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 23, it says that we will have a thinking pattern that is incorruptible, right? It's incorruptible seed versus a corruptible seed. The word of God comes into my life and it is incorruptible. So we are, we are laying aside these things. It's amazing. But then we see in verse 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it mentions an interesting word. I'm going to read it here. It says, as, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. This word desire here is very interesting because Peter is changing his mood. Um, when he says lay aside, it is an action that we are doing. Uh, but in, in the Greek tense, you know, bear with me for a minute. We're going to talk about a little bit of Greek here. The Bible is written in many languages, and one of them is Greek. So we can refer to the Greek to help us understand the Bible. But when he says lay aside in the Greek, he is saying that this is something that you've got to do. But there's a mood, and the mood is not so urgent. But then when he gets to verse 2, and he mentions desiring the Word of God, he changes his urgency. This is important. He changes his urgency, and, it, and the mood becomes that it becomes imperative, meaning that it is so important, in the Greek tense, this is what it says, it is so important that you earnestly desire 
God's word. Making anybody, any moms remember when your child was very young and how many times you'd wake up to feed the baby? It's a lot, right? I don't know anything about it, actually. I would sleep. <laughs> Kaylee's in the other room, you know. But it was a lot, right? Yeah, it's a lot of work. Many times, day and nights, just feeding the baby, feeding the baby, changing the diaper, feeding the baby. You know, it's a lot of work. That is the illustration that Peter is using for us. He is saying that we should also be like that in our desire for God's word. And he is saying that it is so important for us as, God, as God's babies, as God's children, to be desiring earnestly. I love that word that one scholar brings out that is a compound word that it means that we don't only desire, but we desire it earnestly. Like it becomes even more important. You know, the way this world is, the way life is actually. You know, some of you guys know that I had a, I had a fun morning today. Uh, and I could think about it this way. Like that could consume me, right? And how easy would it have been actually, and it, it could have been excusable, right, for me to say, Pastor Jason, you could preach today. You know, I can't come. I got life details. I'm not saying it to promote us or me, but I'm saying it this way. that There becomes something that is so intense that we look at things that happen in our life as distractions from us receiving God's word. Isn't that true? I was telling, we were giving Stephen a hard time today. We're going to pick on him for a second. But... We're giving him a hard time. It's okay. He can, ha- he can handle it, and I can ask for forgiveness. I'll send him flowers. <laughs> you know, uh, but do you know what? I, I, I've said it many times, actually, from the pulpit. Do you know what? It doesn't matter what church you go to. Like, some people, like, we could have this idea, like, I'm trying to build a church, or, you know, Pastor Dennis is doing this, and we want this place to be full. You know what? Here's the thing, is does it matter what church people go to? No, it doesn't. I love it that you're here. Thank you. Keep coming. But do you know what? It doesn't matter. Because what is preeminent is God's word. I might not be able to receive God's word here, so I go to another place where I can receive God's word. The word of God has to be so important in my life, and I have to find a place wherever I am in whatever state. And sometimes we find it that when I'm in the most dire situations, that I'm even more hungry for God's word. Because it has power, as we already said. But this word desire is interesting because it brings out three, three things that is so important for our understanding on how we relate to God's word. Okay? This word desire, it's amazing. And it brings out three things that are so important on how we relate to God's word. So I could say it this way. How do I desire God's word? Right? That can be a question. How, how does that actually happen? Well, what does that mean? Like, we don't want to be philosophical or abstract or, or hyper-spiritual. We want to be practical here. So what does it mean for me to want to desire God's word? What does it mean, mean for me to earnestly desire him or to seek the word of God or do these things? What does that mean? And number one, let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 119. 
verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. And number one is that we love God's word. You know, you might not read God's word a lot, but I think that we can say that we love it a lot. Because oftentimes the reason why we don't read it is because of number one, you know, we are distracted. And number two is that we're often busy. If you're here today, I, you know, I, can, I can bet you would say that you love God's word. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Now I was thinking about this, you know, I was reading about the story of, uh, of a kid when they were younger, their mom would always try to, every morning would have a little cup of prune juice for them, you know, take for health reasons, right? Italians, you do olive oil, you know, I don't know what the Finns do, samyaki every morning, <laughs> I don't know. You know, we had a Finnish person on our team in China, and there were, everything that was cooked had so much salt. So I just assumed that there was always, like, you know, every morning just take like a spoonful of salt and we're okay. That's my understanding, but I don't think it's true, is it? No? Okay. Yeah, there, there's something that happens uh, in our life, and it's always different, right? Uh, but we take something because it's going to be healthy for us, even though we might not enjoy the taste. Right? So this child was given prune juice every single day, but, you know, and they, they didn't like the taste, but they know they had to take it, number one, because their mom said so, and also because, you know, it was healthy for them. That was the, that was the reasoning. If we could do that as, as adults, we could take vitamins, we could take, you know, disgusting little smoothie shakes that have all kinds of green powder. If we can take, you know, if we can eat vegetables, if we can do all this stuff for health's sake, do you think that we could say to God's word that you are sweeter than honey to my mouth? That's the point that I'm trying to make. Like for me to love God's word, it means that it is sweet to me. His words are sweet to me, that I love them. And oftentimes when I come and I am fellowshipping with you guys and a word is mentioned, if it is from the Bible, it becomes so valuable to me because it, I, we love it so much. It is so healthy for us. Do we love the Word of God? You know, sometimes that means, just like the prune juice, that you take it because it's healthy for you, right? Sometimes we're not in the mood to receive God's Word. Sometimes we're not in the mood to go in fellowship with God's people. Sometimes we're not in the mood. And again, there are so many distractions, right? that come against us and come against us. And it, 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 is, it is coming against us. Why? Because it is saying, you don't need this, and we need to, the devil is saying, to take you away from what you need. But when we love God's word, it's like, it, this is hard. This is a hard saying, God. You know, this judgment is hard. This saying is hard. You touch a sore spot in my heart, God. You hurt, you hurt me through that word but I know I need it, and it is so sweet. Isn't that amazing? So to desire God's word, number one, is to love his word. And I just want to encourage you guys to love his word. Practice saying it. Practice reading it. You know, get, get a Bible app and take 10 seconds to read a couple of verses. You know, instead of flipping to Instagram or Facebook, 
you know, flips your Bible app. You, know, you ever like sit there and like you're 20 minutes, 30 minutes into like your Facebook scrolling, your thumbs getting tired? Does that ever happen? I mean, it's happened to all of us, yeah. I mean, you could replace like five minutes of that with a Bible. You could scroll, the same thumb motion as you're reading. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, number two, I was thinking of this, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. We know this word. It says, my God will supply all your needs. And this is the second point, is that God's word gratifies me. God's word gratifies me. Meaning, like, I have all these needs in my life. And how are these needs met? Oftentimes, these needs in my life are not met by earthly provisions. How many times have I had a need of, of money? Or I've had a need of, you know, a car, a car problem, a house thing, something in the house broke, or health is bad. Or so. How many times have I had a need where my need is first met physically. I can honestly say that most times that I have a need, it's not met first, you know, physically like that. It's first met by God. It is by God coming in and not only supplying the physical need, but he says something to me. Somebody texts me. Somebody sends me a message and says that they were praying for me or thinking of me. And all of a sudden, my spirits are lifted and I am gratified by the Lord's provision. And I wonder how many times God would rather have our provision being met through his word than with our hands. Right? Because it is so easy to get my hands dirty and to solve my own problems. It is so easy for me to sit at a desk with a notebook and, and meditate and think about the situation and reason it out. But it's so hard for me to seek his word and to seek him in prayer and have him answer me. It is hard, isn't it? Because it takes patience. It takes stillness. It takes quietness. It takes an ear that is trained to hear God's word. Yeah, but I'm sitting in a... <laughs> I mean, I do it all the time. That's why I'm laughing at it. Yeah, I'm sitting in... I'm, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to solve this problem. If I could just think about it long enough, I'm going to solve it. And then, okay, then, I, then you know what? I have an answer. But it is not God's answer. Hey, Gary, could you open the door? Somebody just text me. Downstairs door. You know, it is amazing. It, it is, you know, God meets my provision. And I was thinking about this. And if we thought about the story of Joseph, and how many times did he dream about God, what God would do? Right? Didn't he have like two dreams? of what God would do. And they happened when he was young. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, there's no mention of the dreams ever reoccurring, are there? Is, are there, is there, guys? Yeah, I don't think so. Two separate dreams at two separate occasions. And do you know what he does with those dreams? He internalizes them because he realizes that they're from God. And those dreams... Or we could say that word that God spoke to him personally, what does it do? It carries him. Carries him through being abandoned by his family. Carries him through being sold by his, you know, by his brothers. 
It carries him through slavery. It carries him through Potiphar's. It carries him through, you know, Potiphar's wife. It carries him through prison. It carries him. It is amazing to think how that word, that personal word of God that came through a dream when he was young carried him for so long. And it was in such a way that it carried him all the way and there his brothers are once again. And he had a moment where he could, justifiably, he could have been angry at his brothers. He could have saved all of Israel. He could have saved all of Egypt and ignored his brothers. And it could have been justified, right? But that's not how the story goes. Because what did, what did Joseph know? Joseph knew that God's word gratified him. It met his needs in Philippians 4.19. That God's word met his needs. That was in a real sense, right? It wasn't like a storybook kind of thing, like, oh, theoretical, these are the seven steps to having God's word meet your needs. It was real. It was real. I mean, here is a woman trying to sleep with him, and he knows that this is not mine. This is wrong. And and Joseph says no. Why? Because of a word that was spoken to Joseph. Very simple. He became a great servant, a great slave. Why? Because a word that was spoken to Joseph. So much hinged on what was spoken to Joseph. And here, and how much of the word of God did he actually have? Much less than what we have. We have so much of the Bible... And we have so much truth, we have so much forgiveness, we have so much here in this book, and that it is not meeting our needs. Is that because we're not relying or depending on it, because we're not desiring it? Or is it because of God's work, God's word is not powerful enough? <laughs> yeah, it's in, I mean, I'm just talking, I don't, I don't know. But I think it's probably the first, Right? Because I believe God's work is powerful. Word is powerful. I mean, with a word, He would heal people. Jesus would heal people. With a word, the disciples would heal people. What would, what would happen today if somebody got healed in church today? You guys would probably like give me a list of verses on why, you know, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have are, have so, so, yeah I can't even talk are over. <laughs> you know, sensation not sense, cessation. Yes, I always get to, it's sensational. A miracle would be sensational, but not a sensation. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. Yeah, I mean, you would give me a list of verses on saying, that, is that really real? Because we don't see that often. When we read it in the Bible, but we don't see it. But it happened in the Bible. You know, I believe that God could begin to do things anew. I believe that the things that we read in the Bible, the things that we read in Acts chapter 2, the, the, the provisions that the Lord gave to the disciples, are those things over? Absolutely not. The Bible gives me no reason to believe that those things are over, that the same God that was alive and that was preaching and that, and that rose Jesus Christ from the grave is the same Spirit that lives inside of me. Which means... That the provisions that God gives me is very simply enough. And sometimes the reason why 
those provisions aren't enough is because my faith needs to be increased. That I need to just say, God, you know what, I, I, I don't know. This is what it means to have faith increase. It means, God, I don't know. But I know I love you. And I love your word. God, I don't know. But I know that you supply all my needs. I don't know. That, it doesn't have to be, yes, I have faith. You can stand tall like, God, you're going to do this. That's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is coming in brokenness. And maybe even, I mean, this is, we had this conversation, uh, I mean, a long time ago in China. Can you have faith with doubt? Huh? I mean, it's a funny thing, but I think the answer is yes. Because I have faith in a person, but maybe I doubt in the, have doubt in the situation, right? And I go and I do something and there is fear in my life, but I do it anyway. Like driving on 695. It's fearful, but I do it anyway. Like standing up to preach. Like, is it easy? No. There's fear, but we do it anyway. To go evangelizing, is it fearful? Yes, but we do it anyway. Why? It's because of God. I have faith. And so it's not about me having so much faith that I'm no longer afraid but it's me that in every situation that I'm looking to the person of God. And that happens through his word in my life. And the last thing here in closing is that um, this is speaking into the word desire. What does that mean? But it means that God's word is able to reach towards or, or let's say, uh, sorry, it's backwards, that we are reaching towards God's word. That's what desire means. If we are to desire his word in 1 Peter 2, 2, it means that we are reaching towards his word. Actually, I was reading this verse. Let's, let's turn there. Um, Hebrews chapter 11. How are you guys doing? You Okay. Verse 6, but without faith is it impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isn't that amazing? Like, what are you taking away from that, that verse? Oh, if I don't have faith, then I'm displeasing God. I mean, that's what a lot of people take away. The latter part of the verse is probably the most important. Yeah, seek Seeking God. Like I am seeking him and his word. And I know that if I do so, he will reward me. You know, I, I have at times opened my Bible. And my heart was not seeking. But I opened it and to read it. And I received nothing. Then I open it and I say, God, I need something. And I'm seeking him. Completely same thing different hearts and what happens when I open his word and I have that seeking kind of uh, detective style in my, in my life that I find that God's word speaks loudly. 
And I love what he is saying here. I mean, this is like talking about the faith heroes. I mean, what's happening before? By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, being dead still speaks. Again, by faith, Enoch. I mean, and just in, the, in these two things, that is what you know, the writer of Hebrews is saying to you, that if we seek him, he's pointing to these two people, Enoch and Abel. You know, one who was put to death for seeking God, and another one who just disappeared. Right? Do we know what's going to happen if we seek God? No. But what do I, what do I know? I know that I will, I will gain God. That God will, I will gain him, and he will reveal something to me. You know, so much of the Bible can be a mystery to us. Why? Because we are not seeking him in the Bible. We are afraid. And it's okay. Like, I'm not, like, condemning in any kind of way, like, the condition of our faith. But the important part here is that Peter is saying that my faith has to be like a baby where I'm desiring it. And it is so important because if I do not desire God's word, what is the alternative? The things that I was to cast off, I will not be casting off. And I will see my life full of death. Right? Because what does jealousy produce? Death. (laughs) What does envy produce? Death. What does an evil tongue produce? Death. I'll have no friends if I have an evil tongue. You know, what does, what does, you know, just like think, what does adultery produce? A broken family. What does, you know, we could go on and on through each sin and say, what does it produce? It produces brokenness. It produces death. So if I am not desiring God's word. So Peter's saying, like, you have, like, two choices here. One in your life will produce faith. You'll gain God. You'll be satisfied, gratified by God. You will seek him. Like, this is what Peter's saying. All this thing will happen. But if you don't, here's the alternative. And the world is a mess today. Why? Because it would rather desire the things of this world. You ever do a, a, a study on the word love? You guys know that love has many meanings, right? It's in the Greek. Does anybody know them? Name one of them, man. You said yes. Phileo, yeah. You just say that because of the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> the Sixers. Are you watching the game right now? Okay. Uh, what's another Greek word for love? Agape. Sorgeo. Eros. Is there one more, too? That's, yeah. I actually think there is. It's not in the Bible. Just in Greek philosophy. Yeah. Gotcha. But do, you, but do you know what? Here, did you know, and the word agape means unconditional love, right? And we always talk about this being God's love for us. And God is, you know, agapeoing us. He's loving us unconditionally. And at times, God himself asks us to love him unconditionally, right? Sometimes he says also to phileo him, be his friend. Did you know the Bible also speaks of agapeing the world? Paul talks about it. I forget, is it Demas? Demas loved the world. 
That word is agape. He unconditionally loves the world. He goes from being in a place receiving God's love to a place where he is giving agape love to something that will produce death. And there is no way, that's why they call it the mystery of iniquity. There's no way to understand the hearts of, you know, the sinful nature. There's no, under, there's no way to understand that. But there is something that can break right through that. That is God's word. It's God's word. And it takes us a moment. You know, we're speaking today in Baltimore, you know, about, um, you know, we're, we're speaking today in Baltimore. And we were, I was noticing, like, I would say something and then, a couple of heads would pop up, right? And that meant that they received a word at that moment. And their heads went back down and they became passive again. <laughs> and it's okay. But they received one word. They received one word that pricks their hearts. And what is that one word going to do? What is that one incorruptible seed that we said in 1 Peter 1.23? What is that going to do? But it's going to produce faith. It's going to produce faith. I just want to encourage you guys that in these days, in this world, what do we need? We need faith. You know, it is amazing that you are here at this church, but do you know what? This church does not replace your personal relationship with God. It does not. It does not. And you can come here on Sunday and have no faith and leave and be torn apart by Monday because of faith. Cultivate your faith. Grow in faith. I mean, that's what it says, right? It says that you may grow thereby, that you may grow. If you desire God's word, it says that it is a definite thing, that you are going to grow. I'm excited. I, I say it often, but I'm excited to see how God will use some of you guys. I said in general, right? Not, not, it's not like a definite article, you know, men, guys, like everybody, all right? They don't want to be exclusive here. <laughs> no, I'm excited to see how God will use you. Because what could God do? I mean, I don't know. But we can't ever put a limit on it. I mean, yesterday on outreach, you know, God was using somebody. I got a phone call and saying, somebody gave me your number. Can we talk? That's amazing. It's awesome. You know, could we think about, you know, the church growing? But not because people are unsatisfied with their church, but that actually people are getting saved and people are getting healed and people are, are realizing that forgiveness is real and that discipleship is real and finding this church instead of being angry at their other church. You know, could we believe that God could do that? Could we believe that we could maybe in a handful of years plant another church, like go to West Virginia and this church could start a new church? Could we believe that we could go on a mission field and, and just feed poor people and love them and hold them in our arms? What could God do? I don't know. But we have faith. And I know for me to have faith, for God to do anything in my life, I first need to hear his word. Now, I know about you, but I am, you know, and it's not because I'm the pastor. Like, I'm, I'm a normal human being, guys, okay? 
Come to my house. You'll find out really quick. <laughs> Work with me. You'll find out even quicker. <laughs> I got, you know, but I'm finding that I am in need of God's word. And, it's, and, I'm, and I'm learning. Like, the more I, you know, just taste better and better, right? Like, you take a little bite. You're like, oh, that's pretty good. And you just, again, it's like, oh, it's getting, it tastes even better. Like, how is this even possible? It's getting better. And the more of the word of God that I consume, like, this is sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this afternoon and this message and faith. And we think about our faith and the condition of it. And in no way are we ever uh, looking down on somebody else and saying, oh, you have such little faith. That's, that's your job, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, it is not our job to judge or condemn people, but it is our job to, you know, encourage people to grow in their walk with you, to grow in their gifts, to cultivate that relationship. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that is going to keep us is our walk with you. And if we don't have one, we will be torn apart by the devil. I've heard it said the devil is a lion, but he has no teeth, just a loud roar. I disagree. Because you go out on the streets today and you see many people and their lives are torn apart. Their lives are torn apart. And the devil has consumed them. But you give resurrection life. You bring healing. You bring redemption. You bring forgiveness. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.